of phantoms and monsters. They exist among us, and sometimes they win. Even the devil was an angel once. The world has its own rules, and these rules are not human. Some of us seek answers to the origin and existence of cryptids and the unexplained. Join us as we venture beyond the known and accepted boundaries. Welcome to our nightmare. I think you're going to like it. Hey folks, good evening and welcome to another episode of Fans and Monsters Radio. Um, tonight we have a very special guest. It's Wednesday night, which I don't normally do a show, but I am tonight because uh, Nicole has written a new book and I wanted to get it out there and present it to a lot of you who maybe don't know Nicole. So, um, First of all, thanks for joining me. And uh, Famous Monsters Radio Channel is made possible by you clicking the subscribe button and uh, by you sharing the programming. Super chat and super thanks donations are always appreciated. And uh, if you, you wish to uh, contribute, just click the dollar icon underneath the chat box. Uh, Buy me a coffee link is also there. So thanks for your consideration. And if you're in the chat, and have a question, uh, please use all caps, and I'll try to get to each one of them. So tonight, Nicole Strickland has been interested in the supernatural since childhood. In addition to her innate psychic and empathic abilities, Nicole's experience in the fields of counseling, education, psychology, and social work is her unique perspective on studying the unknown. She's known for her gentle and humble approaches to working with the spirit realm, her clients, and paranormal field at large. Now, Nicole is one of the leading West Coast afterlife and paranormal researchers. She's the founder and director of the well-respected San Diego Paranormal Research Society and the California coordinator of the Ghost Research Society. Nicole is also a consultant to American Spectral Association. Nicole holds a Bachelor of Arts degree in Media Arts and Journalism from the University of Arizona and a Master of Science in Education Counseling from National University. She also plans to pursue her PhD in parapsychology. So, Nicole, thanks for joining me this evening. Hello, Lon. It's good to see you. I haven't talked to you in a while. So thank it's you so been much a while. for having me. I know. It's been like, what, four years, three, something like been that? It's been a while. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and hello to everyone in chat, too. Nice to see you. I've known you for, I, <laughs> I guess, since I started radio. I mean, it's been a while. Yeah. And uh, we talked about a lot of things, in particular with the, the Queen Mary and, and some of the books you've written about that. And, of course, your investigations there. And uh, you've kind of expanded since then. Uh, how many books do you have now? Oh, my gosh. It's uh, eight. And then I'm working on my ninth one. Ooh, so you're catching yeah. up to me. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. yeah it's funny. We were talking about writing, and it's it's like pulling teeth with me. I, I, I like to do it, but, you know, it's a real chore sometimes. <laughs> but you get that, though. I know, I do. It's, a lot of people don't know what it takes to go into a book, you know, I'm the writing, you. the research, the editing, everything. It takes a long time. And I'm one of these, I'm more about quality than quantity anyway. So that's just me. Yeah. But it's fun. Yeah. It's I mean, you know, with me, it's like one of these things where in the last book, I did in three weeks. <laughs> Whoa. I mean, I had a deadline. Hello. And uh, it, it was like, okay, I've got four, three or four weeks to get this done. I've got the outline. So now it's time to actually do the book. And I did, I get it. I got it done. I was probably putting 10 hours a day in it, but I finally did get it done. But That's commendable. Three <laughs> it was crazy. Wow. That's unheard of really. You go along. <laughs> so this, uh, this, this new book of yours, which is this one here, the afterlife chronicles. Uh, exploring the connection between life, death, and beyond. It's very good. I liked it. I enjoyed it very much. A lot in there, too. I know. Um, I know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And um, 
you know, for folks who are trying to understand the paranormal in general, but more so with spirit and connection and such, I think it's 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 an excellent book. Thank you. Uh, you know, you said something to me about, well, you know, I think I put too much in. Now you didn't put too much. You put a, a good amount of information in there that people are looking for. And I'm quite sure they appreciate that. Yeah, that was one of my thoughts when I was writing it. I asked myself off and on, you know, is, this, is there too much information in here? But then as I finished it, I thought, well, it's, it's all pertainable, right? So it all pertains. Mm -hmm. And then stories like yours, uh, you're in the book as well as like, I think 17 or 18 other people. And so those are interweaved throughout as well, which make it, you know, a little bit more profound, I think. Yeah. So, connect with personal stories so it's a good mix it's an interesting mix is put well it's well put together and uh yeah i, I enjoy it immensely thank you that so, means a lot uh, I, as you and early in the book you talk about this you know both you and i have worked with and were inspired by rosemary Ellen Guiley. oh yes and uh you know she was she worked with me early on with the chicago mothman investigation but right you know we, we had talked before on a lot of different things but unfortunately she's no longer with us but that you know i don't think i have ever been in the company of anybody who knew as much as she did and um, i know you know it was a real loss i i you know i i think about it all the time uh you know what would rosemary say or what would rosemary do about this mm -hmm. so she had a good head on her shoulders and, you know, what she, like, you know, we all know she studied all the aspects of it. Yeah. You know, she had her boots in all the different categories and everything. And so it was, I remember my very first time meeting her, my very first time investigating with her was at Waverly Hills with the Ghost Research Society and just oh. seeing her work that Frank's box, you know, it was just very fascinating, just an all around wonderful person. So she's missed. Yeah, she is. I mean, she 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 knew so much. It was it was amazing. I mean, she wrote a lot of books too, but she knew so much. Gosh, I know. I wonder. Do you know when she started in the field? I don't know if it was when she was in her early twenties or even beyond there, or even before that. Even I think she started early, but wasn't really known um, until, until later. later. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, she started putting the books out, of course, but uh, I think she kind of started a little bit late. I mean, uh, compared to most of us. Uh, but, you know, the, the fact that she did write so many books and seemed to be everywhere. Uh, it, you know, yeah, absolutely. You go to a conference, you know, Rosemary was usually there. Uh, yeah, she came out to San Diego one. It was Troy Taylor's conference, and then she oh. came out. We were there. That was 2011. I can't believe it. And then we all drove up to the Queen wow. Mary. So that oh, was yeah. fun. To, yeah, it was fun. It was uh, her, myself, and then uh, Nicole Tito and Lisa Crick, who were formerly with the Ghost Research Society, but now they're with the American Spectral Association. So, okay. And they knew her really well, too. Very well. So. so speaking of the Queen Mary, and of course you and I have talked about that a, a lot over I know, the years. Right? You've written a lot about it over the years. Mm -hmm. So what's the situation with are are they are they planning on keeping it there or what are they planning oh, on doing? Yeah, so uh so she was closed during the pandemic and there were right. issues. I'm not gonna get into detail on air what the issues were with her leaseholder, but her a former leaseholder no longer involved and so she's been managed uh, for about eleven years now by Evolution Hospitality. So it was in 1978 when the city of Long Beach had full control of her until 1993 when they looked at private uh, leasing companies. So for the first time in, uh, in 40 years, the Queen Mary you know, has not been under the control of the city of Long Beach. So it was June, I believe it was June 4th of 2021 when officially once again she uh, was under the control or became under the control of... Uh, the city of Long Beach. And so they're now in charge of her. She's definitely going to stay. Um, money was allotted to, to work on some of the, the very important things that needed to be renovated. So the removal of lifeboats, a bulkhead, 
work, uh, a new emergency generator system, an emergency evac system, all these things. So the Queen Mary started opening up for ho the hotel in uh, last month. No, yeah, no, July, not June. Hello, I was thinking we were still in June, May, but she re fully reopened uh, last month in June. So oh, okay. had a, a major like uh, July 4th celebration. So she's now, uh, at first it was a soft opening, but now she's fully reopened. They're still doing work in certain areas, but it's it's pretty much almost back to normal as to how she was uh, pre-COVID. So for her to survive, and that's what she does throughout her history, if you read about her, you know, she's survived yeah. all these near disasters. And once again, COVID, she prevailed and, and made it through that. So we're really, really happy. Well, good. Yeah, I, um, you know, I, I was kind of wondering what was going on with it. I, I knew there were some issues during COVID, but I didn't mm -hmm. know exactly. It sounded to me like they were going to try to move her out of there. But, um, and I, I said, must, I had that talk to Nicole about that. So. Yeah, there was a thought. Now, now here's the thing. A lot, pretty much, I can't say everyone, but most people that have visited the Queen Mary and get the ability to step on board and read about her history feel this connection. Yeah. Maybe not as much as other people, but there are a lot of people in Southern California that are rooting for her and want her, you know, to remain and, and, and all of this. She has so much more to give. But there was initial talk about perhaps scrapping her, but the cost to do that would be more than actually keeping her here. So, uh, yeah, I mean, there's a, I think for the next 25 years, definitely beyond 25, I don't know what will happen. But uh, I'm going to repeat one of the tour guides. One of the tour guides is, is said on a tour one day, he said, you know, the Queen Mary is like a cat. She has like nine lives. You know, she keeps on going and going and going. And, you know, I, I think there's a spiritual component to that. But, uh, yeah, she's truly amazing. Yeah. I keep threatening to come out there. I'm going to come out there one day. You I, have to. to. Yeah, I know. She's... And I, I'm going to have to grab you. And, and drag you up from San Diego to do that too. Oh my so. gosh, totally! I'm only in an hour, an hour and a half away too, with traffic. But you know, I'm actually going there on Friday. I'll oh, spend yeah. the the weekend there. Yeah. So yeah, she's waiting for you for sure. She's like, when is lawn coming? You know. So <laughs> yeah. And someone, so, someone in a comment said, I read somewhere uh, that she, that it has amazing energy, or someone said that. Yes, absolutely. It is. Energy it all her own. Is. Yeah. I mean, some of the things I've read about it over the years is in, of course, talking to you about it and, you know, all your experiences and such. Mm -hmm. It, uh, it, it, it is fascinating. So, yeah, I, I, I know. Yeah. Bernadette says the lawn's the next event. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so let me ask you, and I, I don't know if I maybe missed in the book, though. I know you, you experienced a lot of, what's your most, most unforgettable paranormal experience? Oh my gosh. And I don't even know if I've ever asked you that before. Oh my goodness. Oh, that's, it's hard to pick one. I, 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 I share this like you, I've, I've been on a lot of shows and I share this and I'll share it again. It, it's probably the, my most profound experience just because of the meaning of it. And the fact that it set me on this path mm -hmm. in researching the afterlife and the paranormal. And that is with my grandmother. I mean, I've had so many amazing, profound experiences spanning like, you know, my entire life. But the experience I had after my maternal grandmother, Helen Lopinto, passed away, that came. I, I didn't at that time. I really wasn't in I, I wasn't aware of of my own empathic abilities or anything like that. And mm -hmm. so uh, she called me, her, Helen, I think I mentioned her name. She called me the night before she passed. We had a you know, conversation, maybe 15, 20 minutes. And she asked me, are you okay? And I, I thought that was odd at the time. And I, I reassured her and I said, of course I am. I'm just busy with school and all of that. The next day, of course, my mom, her daughter called and I could tell by the tone of her voice that something wasn't right. And she called. And, and so I answered the phone and she said, I love you very much. But grandma passed away early in the morning. So I was devastated. I went back out to San Diego to spend some time with the family. Now, when I got back to Tucson, I started having these experiences in my apartment that I did not have prior. Even with that, I still chalked it up to just vibration or my neighbors. I didn't even think 
paranormal at this or, or her coming through. But it was a succession of experiences. Uh, the first being that the, the doors would rattle, specifically my bedroom door and the front door, especially at night. And my grandmother, when she was alive, would go around the house and make sure the doors were locked. Again, even with that, I didn't think much of it. A couple of nights later, and this all happened over a week, I was sitting on my bed, I think, writing a paper or something. And I felt, I didn't see, but I felt something like a hand caress my face. And it felt comforting. It felt like it came from someone I knew and dearly loved. And that's when I started to connect the dots. Could this be my grandmother trying to come through? Or mm -hmm. could it be some bereavement hallucination on my part? Because I was, you know, in, in grief during this time. So a couple of days go by and then it culminated into this. I was again in my bedroom on my bed, I think typing a paper or doing something. When I saw out of my left peripheral vision, I saw something. And when I looked, there was my grandmother full bodied. It appeared as though she had this spotlight shining against her back and it gave her this whitish halo. And mm. she looked about 10 years younger. She looked completely healthy. She was wearing one of her favorite blue and white flowered house dresses. She didn't say anything, but she had a smile on her face in color. The entire thing played out almost like in slow motion, although it was maybe about a, a second long. And uh, I saw her fade right before my eyes. And that's when I connected the dots. I still thought, is this me projecting this? Because, you know, grief can do that. Right. So I called my mom and I, and I told her, I said, I'm having these experiences and so we openly talked to Helen and let her know that the family's okay and she's free to move on wherever she goes and uh, that we're all okay and she can come back and visit whenever she wants. And so that I've, I've, she's come through since then, but not like that. And so I credit her for getting me on this path. I think she knew before I did that I was sensitive yeah. to energies, you know, and so it was just one of those very profound life-changing spiritual encounters and so yeah it's very similar what happened with me and my aunt i, mean, I remember yes exactly exactly um, that was just you know that kind of you know i knew i knew before that that i had abilities but you know the fact that she showed up when she passed and um then my mother and my grandmother who were miles and miles away from me we all had the same experience at the same time. Right. Calling each other on the phone. Um, it's That's interesting phenomenal. how that happens. Yeah, huh? it's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. And I even, yeah. with my grandmother, I even asked other people, I said, did anyone else in the family, are they experiencing anything? Everyone said no. So to mm -hmm. my knowledge, it was just me. Mm -hmm. And so I've often wondered that, but maybe she knew I could sense. I don't know. But, uh, I thank her because it's been a lot of experimentation. It's been just uh, now that I've been active in the field for 20 plus years, it's just been like this path to discovery. So it's been a lot of fun. It's interesting how it happens. It really I know. is. So let me ask you your thoughts on why do you think the spirit world tries to communicate with the living? Oh my gosh. I think, I think there's probably an answer there that maybe we're, I'm just thinking outside the box that maybe we're not supposed to know. Maybe it's a little bit of a, like an elusive, so, mm -hmm. so to speak. Uh, maybe we're not permitted to know everything about the spirit world. We're given glimpses of it, of course, but there might be something elusive with that. But I, and I talk about this in the book and, you know, there's no proof of this or anything. This is just a sense that I get as well as others that the two worlds, the, the afterlife, the spirit world and our mortal world, it seems like although they've always been in connection, there's something going on in the cosmos, so to speak, that's bringing them together. And so there's this uh, duality between the two worlds and both worlds are desiring to connect with one another, uh, learn from each other. So I think, I think a lot of it is that more and more people are more open to communicating with, with uh, the afterlife. Uh, and there's just, you know, you could argue that the, the paranormal and, and uh, afterlife study is so infused in our everyday mm -hmm. culture now. 
-hmm. that that's almost acting as some sort of like capacitor as well. But I think that there's something greater that maybe we don't have the answers to that would further explain that. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Because that, that's a really good question. I, um, you know, I, you know, I'm kind of going back and forth on this. I, I guess every mm. time I do a case, it, it either adds or subtracts to what I'm doing or what I right. think, what I get yep. an idea of what's really going on. I, I think spirit communication, that's if it's a, um, if, if the energy is on our earth plane, if it's the earthbound energy, uh, I, I, I think they do try to communicate, but I think that's what causes the issues. In other words, by trying to communicate, trying to get our attention, it causes issues. You know, people call them hauntings. Well, yeah, it is a haunting, but, you know, there's a reason behind it. And, you know, I think, I think when a, a person dies and that life force doesn't ascend to another level and it's stuck here somehow, mm -hmm. uh, I, I think they're either confused, they don't even know they're dead, maybe. Um, right. That they're, you know, especially if it's it's their loved ones who are the living that they're trying to communicate, and you know, causes uh, uh, causes well fear and such when you see things moving or hear noises and, and things. And um, I, I just think the communication it, it, there. I think there's a a reason behind it. I, I don't mm -hmm. think it's a scare thing. Of course, unless you get something malevolent, right? And, right. Uh, you know, I've dealt with a few of those. But, I know, yeah. Yeah, but uh, I, I think for the most part, it's just trying to grab attention. And, um, you know, that's why I get upset when I see the, and I know you, you don't believe in this, but these people that will go into a, a supposed haunted location and start threatening and start yelling and start doing this and that and Mm -hmm. I, 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 that just really turns me off because I know that causes issues. And, oh, it's horrible. Uh, it's horrible. Yeah, it is horrible. Yeah. And I mean, you brought up a good point too. I mean, it, when you think about all the people that are grieving the loss of a loved one, mm -hmm. is it possible that with their grief, they're drawing the deceased back, you know, and maybe the deceased feels like, okay, well, you know, my loved ones are in pain. They're, they're being sad. Let me go comfort them. So mm -hmm. that could draw them as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a matter of sifting through what I call authentic paranormal phenomena versus something that we humans make up mm -hmm. like, or something that's caused from just fear or fear alone, you know, I think of, um, oh my gosh, like Total Recall, that movie, and it's like, okay, you may have, uh, well, Jackie on the Queen Mary is a great example of this. Some people feel that uh, there's two of two of her, the real her, and then mm -hmm. almost like a psychokinetic creation or tulpa of her, which is like a hologram of the real her. So it's, it's sifting through, okay, what's real and what's not fabricated, but what's something that we as humans have consciously created. So oh, I think I, it's, I, I, you know, I agree with that. Yeah. I, I you know, the, the thought forms, topas, I mean, they are a big part of the paranormal. Of course, oh, when absolutely. you're talking about poltergeist, that's exactly what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I think in, in other situations, it comes into play as well. And right. you're right. I think people can, you know, manifest, well, you know, the human mind's, crazy thing i mean it is we don't uh, even understand i think people can just manifest these energies um mm -hmm. so uh you know you know I, I, you were talking there and i was thinking as you were talking you know since uh since queen mary has opened back up has the activity changed at all you know that's an interesting question i uh let's see so the last time i'm going to answer that, but I'm going to preface it. Uh, the last time I was on board was December of 2019. Okay. Um, I was invited to potentially go on board and film during the pandemic. That didn't work out. But then the second or the time since the pandemic, so since 2019, 2019 that I've been on board was actually the anniversary of the Titanic. So I went on board for a tour because they had tours during the month of April. 
-hmm. with a couple um, ship friends of mine, Joe and James. And so that was April 15th. That was the first time I actually went on board since 2019. Like I would go visit the ship and just hang out outside and everything Mm -hmm. during that pandemic. But it's so where I'm going with this is, and then again, I was on board uh, my birthday weekend for May 20th, and then I'm going to be aboard this, this weekend. So I don't know if I've been aboard uh, enough to really say, wow, yes, there's a definite change in activity, but I will say that the time, the two times that I have been on board since uh, the pandemic for me, it was very, very energetic, very active. So I think that not only the ship, because I, I feel, and this may sound hokey to some people in chat, I, I get it. Not everyone's going to believe this. I feel that the Queen Mary is very sentient. And so I think there's this duality of her being one giant spirit and then the interplay between her and the human energies that either go through her or choose to remain. And there are many resident energies on board. So I think that uh, both of those groups, the, the ship herself, as well as her resident spirits, are are very excited to have energy again, people again. So I think that is definitely uh, causing a little bit of an increase. I did some EVP work there last month, and uh, and I usually get really good audio, whether it's EVPs mm-hmm. or disembodied voices, but it seemed to be more consistent for me. So I think they're just, they're waking up and they're excited to see everyone. It's like a reunion, so to speak. So, yeah. So you think the energy there does feed off what comes in? I do. I do. I I, I really do. Um, I, I will say though that, and just, this is just based on years of, of researching the Queen Mary and, and spending countless hours there. I don't think anything there is malevolent. Or anything like that. Um, there, I, there's a mixture of intelligent and earthbound. Uh, there's uh, er, uh, not yeah, earthbound. So psychic imprints, especially of some of her uh, uh, near-death disasters. For example, the Curacao tragedy mm-hmm. on October second, nineteen forty-two. Uh, that's when her HMS Curacao, uh, World War One escort ship, and her collided. And uh, over 300 of its sailors perished. And so there's a section in, in near the bow where phantom screams can be heard. It's thought to come from that. So there's uh, earthbound uh, residual type of phenomena going on. Um, intelligent earthbound activity, but then there's residual psychic like phenomena going on and then um, mm-hmm. in- intelligent. So I don't know. You know, it's hard to come. I've been asked, what do you think? What what's What's the percentage of residual and intelligent on board the Queen Mary. And obviously I can't give an exact number, but I would say based on my experiences, 60, 40. So about 40% residual, 60% intelligent, maybe 70, 30, somewhere along those lines. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So um, you do write about intuition being an intuitive. I mean, do you consider yourself, a t- you consider yourself an intuitive, right? I do. I think everyone is. I really do. Yeah, I, think, I agree with you. I think most people are intuitive to a degree. Yeah. You know? It's just not, maybe not everyone's open to it, or maybe they're just not exposed to it, or maybe they haven't uh, practiced enough. You know, when you've, I know for me, being involved in this field, my senses have improved. Would they have improved mm-hmm. without being? I don't know. Maybe it's a maturity thing, but yeah, I think everyone has it. And so it, it, it for me, it comes down the maternal line. So I have Romani Gypsy in my bloodline. So that. Oh, really? That tell you, yeah. If that can tell you anything, you know, so. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't yeah. even know that. I don't think you yeah. ever mentioned that to me before. I don't know if I have. I don't think I mentioned I it that often. Did. But yeah, it's so. I don't think there's a paranormal or a psychic bone in anybody's body in my in my family. You know, when I grew up, I never talked about my abilities. I just, I just didn't because I, I, I lived didn't in either. a very conservative family. I just didn't mention it, and because um, I had an idea that what kind of response I was going to get because of it, so I just kind of left it. And um, so, um, yeah, I think it's common for kids, though. Oh and yeah, I, that's why it's important now. You know, I even have a presentation. It's called children and the paranormal and it's all about uh talking about you know children and tips for parents and investigators on on working with kids uh that are part of a, a haunting in a home or uh 
helping mm-hmm. foster their abilities, things like that. I kind of go into the stages of uh, uh, child development, Piaget and Erickson, and then I, I kind of go with those stages and see how maybe a child will perceive and maybe react to the paranormal at each of those stages. So it's, it's fascinating. It is interesting. You know, that's one thing I really take pride in mm. when I work with cases and, of course, when there are children involved. Because, uh, you know, of course, with the permission of the parents, I, I, I will usually end up working with the kids. Yeah. And uh, many times these kids are talented, they are gifted, and they do have abilities. And um, they, you know, if there's a lot of activity in the house, and they just don't understand it. And of course, it, it's a matter of trying to, you know, trying to tell them or trying to teach them what is going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a lot of kids, when they see stuff like that, they think it, it, it calls on them for some, for some reason. Uh, you know, they see something, oh, there's a monster or something like that. Mm-hmm. Their parents, well, you know, they just don't understand it. But, of course, when I go into a situation where the family is having hauntings, I mean, there's stuff going on. There is even oppression, especially with oppression with a member of the family. I, uh, I, I do try to work with the kids. And, in fact, there's a case I had been working on for over a dozen years. Where Interesting. The, the girl, she, she, I, I recognized that she was psychic when she was seven or eight. And I've mm-hmm. worked with her since then. And wow. she's turned out to be a pretty good little psychic, I swear. She's That's 20 now. amazing. Yeah. yeah. Wow, to be yeah. with someone that long. Yeah. And that you bring me to a point with that, too. You know, you hear about going to these, whether it's a home or a historic, or a historic location or a business, and you get these one-nighters, right? Okay, you have eight hours to investigate this building. And then you have people coming away saying, oh, yeah, well, we did an eight-hour investigation. We can tell you it's haunted. Really? From only eight hours? Really? I mean, maybe. I don't know. But that it's like I think we need to spend longer and do these case studies as opposed to these investigations. We don't always have that luxury. But that just you talking about that brought that up. So I just don't I, I just don't see how any case could be taken care of. That I, I don't think I... Oh my God, I stay in contact with most of my clients, or I have. That's amazing. And, yes. and, mm-hmm. and they, they, I mean, they can go on for years. Yeah, I've um, had some send Christmas cards and stuff. So really? Yeah, it's yeah. just, you know, it's such a good feeling, you know, when they thank you and they feel content after you come in and they, you know, give you that hug. Some will, some people are huggers, yeah. others are not. It's just that intrinsic rewarding feeling. And I, I'm sure you get that as well. And that's that's what it's all about is helping people and, and helping the energies as well. So, right. So, yeah. I do have one question from the chat. Disseratum asks, why hasn't anyone helped earthbounds on the ship crossover? Have folks ever chosen to stay? That's a very, very good question. Now, I, oh gosh, I'm deciding how much I want to go in with this. I have personally, <laughs> I have personally put out there when I'm on board, I will let them know that, you know, for those that want to stay, that's fine. But those, if you feel, you know, stuck here or you don't want to be here, there is a better place and blah, 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 blah. So mm-hmm. I've personally done it. Uh, I think. A lot of the, so the law of the residual activity, we know it's just like a, a, a psychic imprint. Okay. So it's, it's an implanted memory from, from the ship's sailing days and whatnot mm-hmm. uh, for, uh, I, and I do believe there's a huge percentage, I, I don't know about huge, but a substantial percentage of resident spirits that for some reason do want to remain there and uh i know several other investigators that have tried to you know cross them over but for whatever reason they're still encountered you know every time we go on board but that but there also may be a component of maybe they have crossed over but they choose to come back at free will so uh i i think with the queen mary it's 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 interesting because it's there's a there's such a uh what am I trying to, there's so many thoughts going in my head right now. There's such a uh, connection that a lot of these spirits have with the queen Mary. 
Mm-hmm. So there's this um, devotion to the ship and its history, if you will. Uh, that's mm-hmm. kind of how I would put it. So, and when you go, when you talk to people, uh, former crew and former passengers, uh, former uh, war brides, veterans, a lot of them will say, there's something about the Queen Mary and I didn't want to leave the ship. So if you take that thought, and there's a lot of people that are living that feel that way that worked or sailed on board. Think of the the uh, spirits that are on board now that worked or lived or worked, uh, lived, I should say, when they worked there uh, or sailed. Um, maybe they felt that way, too. So there's this really big uh, connection and spiritual draw I think people have. So I think that's one of the reasons why a lot of the resident energies stay uh, psychic imprints or psychic imprints. Some of the earthbounds, I, I think that I almost equate the Queen Mary. I'm going on a tangent here and I apologize. It's all right. You know, when you travel to different states and you have these like welcome centers, right? Mm-hmm. Welcome to California, welcome to Nevada, whatever. I feel that in some way that the Queen Mary is almost a spiritual welcome point for some people. So they may come through the Queen Mary, pass through it, maybe choose to stay for a while, maybe choose to remain. They might leave. I don't know the time limit. It's it's dependent on each individual. But um, it's just a little bit different than I think other places just because of that strong connection that people have with it. So that's kind of a yeah. long, drawn-out <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, that's a, yeah. such a good question, though. And it, it sadly, like other historical locations, it is exploited a lot. Yeah. Um, it is, you know, uh, some of the paranormal activity gets very exploited, and, and that's a sad thing as well. That's a whole nother conversation. But, uh, but yeah, that was a good question. Yeah, well, you mentioned free will. And, you know, I this is one thing I talk to clients about when I go in go to a location or I'm doing remotely, which most of them now I do remotely, but people don't seem to understand the free will thing. And I I tell them, you know, if they don't want to leave, there's no way I'm going to try to do that. It's just not going to be successful. Mm -hmm. Um, Normally if I go, let's see, I do an RV and, and, and start getting, picking up things. And of course, intuitively you start picking up and communicating uh, rudimentally with the, these beings or these energies, you can tell when they don't want to leave. And, oh, um, I know. Yeah. And, and some people just don't understand that. And I, I try to explain that, but it's just like anything else. Free will. I, I, I'm not going to try to force anything, even, even the dead. <laughs> I mean, you know. Well, that's just it. That's just, you know, I, you know, you've, you've been asked this, I've been asked this about, do you do, can you remove an energy? Can you, uh, and I'm talking about, a human type of energy can you get rid of it uh-huh. and it's it's and and you hear you hear the phrase of people saying well i cross this over and all of that okay that may be true but in a way it's like you perhaps facilitated that i i just what i'm saying for me i just err on the side of caution of, of taking credit for that because you know if it's an intelligent energy and it has some sort of free will then you might have helped facilitate it, but you know. So that, that you just brought up a good point. It just jostled yeah. my my thought process there for a second. So, uh, Disseratum followed up. Said, "Could you please talk about anything you know about your Romani culture's insight on the paranormal? We hear a little bit about magic and divination, but not spirits, cryptids, etc." Yeah, yeah, that's I was an excellent. The same thing. Yeah, that's that's actually an excellent question, and I I really haven't studied much into uh, where uh, specifically how that relates to my family, mm-hmm. but back in you know it's it's kind of like Salem and in, in, in the witch trials a little bit. There's a little bit of a parallel. You know, the Romani gypsies were thought of as very intuitive, mm-hmm. very sentient, very psychic, and were in many ways. Uh, you know, crucified for that, uh, burned at the stake, uh, stoned, whatnot. So uh, it's so there's that parallel between that and like you know Salem and the Salem witch trials. But it's it, it's something that I wish I could find the exact lineage and really go back up in my family and and see the origins of that. Now this came from my maternal grandmother Helen, who I was talking about at the beginning. Okay. She always said that she had Romani gypsy line in her blood. 
So that I should research that and see if I can find the origins um, yeah. of that. You know, that, that might be something that you, you may benefit from. You know, I, I did That's the same thing. That's very true. Yeah. So thanks for that. My family came from a, um, a persecution, religious persecution background in Switzerland with the Reformation and, and such because they were anti-Anabaptist, not anti-Anabaptist. Basically, they were Mennonites and Amish. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, of course, I'm I'm 11th generation. So I did research everything for when they got here and, and, and everything. And uh, yeah, it gave me a, a lot of insight as to what, um, you know, not only my background, but, you know, the way religion and and then other things involved with with that, of course, with, in my instance, powwowing and, and folk magic and, and uh, healing and such which is in my family's background. Yeah, so. you're smart too. I mean, I'm surprised. It's almost ironic that I haven't really looked into that, but thank you so much because now I, I really need to look into that. Like you said, it'll provide insight and everything. I think it um, yeah, and you know, with, with the whole cryptids too, I wanted to get your take on, I've heard some people say that they believe there's a nexus or some sort of connection between all the different types of spiritual beings from uh, ETs, um, uh, human energies, angels, cryptids. Uh, do you think? Do you think there's a nexus there? Or do you think they're all separate realms? Oh, I think it's a it's a strong connection. Yeah, that's it, it kind may of my not thought be too. real prevalent, but you know, as time has gone on, the more and more we we look into cryptids or you know unexplained creatures. Um, the paranormal aspects seem to show up a lot. Uh, yeah. You know, possible spirit energy, uh, light beings, uh, even possibly ET connections somehow. But look, I, I, I think a lot of this is connected. I do uh, too. Know, I, it, it's hard. You know, when you go into mm -hmm. a case, say I'm doing an investigation, you've got to think about it now um, because... Mm -hmm invariably when just like with the chicago mothman chicago wing humanoid investigation we've been doing forever uh it seems like there are more aspects that that kind of come into it uh and you, you got to believe that there's some kind of connection there and uh, i i think cryptids in general i think there is a, a paranormal and supernatural aspect to them not only them possible being interdimensional beings or multidimensional beings. But I think there are other aspects of paranormal that may very well be connected to them. Yeah, I, I feel I've always felt that way, too. And I what I think of is like inside our human body, we have all our nerves, our nerves connecting. There's these nerve synapses and they're all firing at different times, but yet they're connected. That's mm -hmm. kind of how I feel with these the paranormal realms and, and all of that. It's they may be set, you know, considered okay, a separate category, but yet there's one big giant nucleus there and it's connecting everyone, I guess. So Yeah, I, I think it is. I, I, I think it, mm -hmm. I think there's a strong connection. Um, you know, a lot of times I will talk about it, people for the most part will think you're crazy because a lot of people that <laughs> that do look into the investigations of cryptids, you know, they're kind of one-sided and they don't want to open their mind up to other phenomena. Right. But more and more we look into it, more and more cases we get of different cryptid phenomena and, and other phenomena, other anomalies. Right. There always seems to be a connection there somewhere. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I'm wondering now, too with, with, I'm sorry, with the cryptids too. Um, I don't know. I think in many ways they they they're too uh, strictly categorized and they're put in the four corners of a box. And maybe we don't know. Obviously, we don't know everything about them. So maybe not put them inside, you know, four corners of a closed box and maybe expand out a little bit more. So I don't know. Maybe uh -huh. they're just. I guess just over classifying different energies without really having a hundred percent knowledge of exactly what they are is I guess what I'm trying to say. I don't know mm -hmm. what your thoughts on that are. Cause I, you're, you're, you're way more knowledgeable in, in the cryptid section than I am uh, just, you know, and it's, it's so fascinating. It's, it's, it's a very fascinating topic. 
Um, you know, I don't know. I mean, I just kind of take it as it comes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not out there looking for anything in particular, but right, right. it's very interesting when a case will come my way or a sighting or a report will come my way. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of times, and this is interesting, the, the witness will very rarely talk about other aspects of paranormal activity until you start talking to them. Then they start, you know, first thing I, one thing I will ask them, well, did you notice anything else going on? Yeah. It's interesting you asked me that because I did see this and this and mm-hmm. I think, okay, well, you know, it does pop up. Right. Yeah. So um, pick your brain on that because, you know, you're you kind talked of a, about, you talked about the book about misconceptions of the spirit world. Ooh, that's a controversy. Yeah, I debated whether to put this in there, but well, I, I think it was good you did. I think it was excellent yeah. that you did because very few people will talk about that. I guess I had some cojones, didn't I? Well, <laughs> you know, I, I I appreciated that was in there, but you know what you said is absolutely true. Uh, there are all kinds of misconceptions about what the paranormal really is, especially the spirit world. Right. And that's, that's it. This was mainly applying to the afterlife. So I'm, I'm talking yeah. mainly of human energies that have passed on. So, yeah, I talk a lot in there. Uh, I go into, you know, do, do ghosts and spirits harm the living? Uh, I talk about that. Um, I, I Human energies. Now, this is speaking of human energies of once mm-hmm. living people, right? Mm-hmm. I don't feel that whether earthbound or spirit that they can really harm uh, anyone in that way. But yeah, I mean, getting into tulpas and thought projections and how that is, and just the whole aspect of uh, how entertainment, and I love entertainment, don't get me wrong, but how it portrays paranormal phenomena. It's frustrating. It's it's very frustrating. It's, and I get horror. I, I mean, I, you know, we all love, well, not all of us. Some people love a good horror movie, right? I just watched Hereditary the other day, good psychological flick there. Um, but it's just, there's a lot of exploitation done of, of the paranormal and even other realms too. And it's just something that I think is going to prevent the field from advancing how it should it's still going to advance but it's all that's going to always be a thorn in its side so to speak well you know when when paranormal tv started coming out with ghost hunters and whatever you know everything else and you know it was it was it was fascinating at first but as you kept watching and you know more shows were coming on and and I get it. I look, look, I know the advertisers want, they want action. They don't mm-hmm. want a real investigation where you might have one for one unexplained incident occur in hundreds of hours of investigating. Uh, right. You know, they don't want that. No. And uh, it, it gets, it gets, and I don't like saying the word fake, but it does seem fake sometimes. Yeah, and it's just the very naive and gullible are going, the very impressionable type of people are going to get swayed by that. And then that causes them to have a skewed, I guess, idea about what paranormal phenomena is. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I mean, I'll say just speaking for myself, and I'm just one fish in the sea, but I would say in the last, even prior to COVID, I would say from since about 2016 on we would we had a preponderance of more requests about people thinking that demons were in their home than ever before so i'm sure that you know that has something to do with what you know is 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 going on in 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 society and how that's you know swaying people you know that's a sore spot with me, the whole it demon is. thing. I know, me too. Um, because everybody, after watching TV or watching these shows or even on YouTube or whatever, and they they see a haunting and the investigator starts talking about demons. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, my God. So then they think he's got a demon. <laughs> I know. And, you know, I, my whole thing is evil is evil. I don't like using names for 
malevolent energies. I, I mean, yeah. you know, I don't either. That whole demon thing just kind of irks me. And uh, I, I don't, I don't necessarily shoot people down when they talk about it. Uh, I talk to other investigators and like you about it and say, well, you know, I don't. You're smart to yeah. Buy into just, the demon thing. Yeah, I don't either. Uh, you know, I, I just tell them, well, I'll try to do what I can about, you know, curtailing the activity or maybe we can move it on. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I don't get into the demon argument because, it's, it, yeah, television has really, and, and movies and such. It really, it really has. And even some of the titles of shows, just yeah. in the title alone, what, what are you suggesting with that? You know, are you saying that, okay, the afterlife is evil? Are you saying that it's nothing but malevolent? And, you know, I mean, if that were the case, I think more and more people would be just being killed by, you know, some invisible being in broad daylight. I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm just. You know, yeah, I'm, well, you're right. I mean, you I, know, think I mean, it, it, uh, all it, you know, what it does, it, it raises, um, it raises fear basically it with does. these clients. And, uh, you know, when they're calling you and you, you can tell right off the bat, they, they saw something on TV and they say, I think I got a demon in the house because I got this, this, and this going on. When and I got to tell, look, I'm not going to say anything until I either come there or I start working the case. Exactly. I, yeah. you know, I, I don't say, well, I doubt if it's demon, right? Because <laughs> they don't want to hear that. Yeah. I have had people tell, literally, hang up on me when I said, well, I doubt it's demon. Well, that's a, that brings me to a good point. There's a lot of clients that they want you to say what they want to hear. And if you don't say the one thing that they want to hear or that they believe, they get flustered and they yeah. get mad. And it's just, yeah. oh, you've been there. I've been there. I mean, I can't even. <laughs> yeah. It's frustrating. It is frustrating. It's very frustrating. Oh, mm. my Lord. You're right. I just. Uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, we all we get it. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you, you also talk in your book about divination and I, I do use divination on occasion mm -hmm. crystals or, you know, scrying or a few other things that maybe some people don't buy into uh, yeah. candle magic and such, but I, I'm familiar with it. You know, I, you know, I was kind of raised around a lot of that. Yes. Yes. But I, it, you know, if it's used, responsibly it, it mm -hmm. can be a good thing but there are so many people that that start using it and they start drawing stuff to them that's i've it. had a couple mm -hmm. of cases like that where you know i have they're reluctant to talk about them doing something um or cursing maybe trying to curse somebody or something nine times out of ten it's going to turn around and bite you in the ass i mean it's just going to happen and uh, but you did talk about it in the book. I'm glad you did put it in there because it's something that people should be aware of that, you know, if you're going to do it, use it with caution. But make sure you do it with, you know, that you've talked to somebody who knows a little bit about it before you even try to do it. Maybe they'll give you a good warning about it. Excellent, excellent advice. Uh, and, it, you know, I put that in there just because, you know, you have various ways and methods of investigating. And some people like to uh, utilize more of an intuitive metaphysical type of approach. Others are more, and I'm going to use that word that some people cringe at it, but I'm going to use it science tech based sort of <laughs> approach. I, you know, I, I blend the two, but yes, you have to do it responsibly. I, mm -hmm. I love divining rods. I love dowsing rods. I think they're a great adjunct tool. Um, I use them a lot during audio experimentation just to kind of corroborate certain EVPs or disembodied voices that come through. So, um, but crystals too. Uh, I've, I've always been fascinated with crystals. I think they're sentient in many ways. Um, gemstones but yeah i mean they, they i've talked to many people where they've had success using them on different types of investigations so yeah i i, I use crystals more than anything else and yeah. um i love them it took years of work to find what i believe does work but if you can get a connection with a certain stone or crystal and uh, use it 
when you're doing work, uh, especially with remote work like I do for the most part. But I always take them along with me if I'm doing yeah. a location. Mm -hmm. um, it, it does help. Um, it does. Yeah. Some people I, think it's a crutch. I don't think it's a crutch. I, I think there is, you said something about being sent. I believe that. Absolutely. I, absolutely. And I think that, you know, when you go into a store or gem store, I, I, in many ways, it like they pick you in a way. It's like you're meant oh, to yeah. get the one that you get, right? There's that connection. So quartz, rose quartz, I love obsidian. I mean, oh, God, amethyst, I love them all. They're just, and they're pretty to look at, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Besides the paranormal, they're very beautiful. Yeah, uh, people will tell you when you walk in my house, first thing you see is a cabinet with all the gems in it, all the uh, right? yeah, all the crystals and stuff in it. Uh, yeah, I collect, but I also use. So, um, <laughs> what's your favorite, or do you have like? Oh my God! Well, mortal, mortal. Uh, a clown is in there, and her and I have talked about this a lot. Uh, I use a mineral called yttrium fluorite. Now, I've had people okay. tell me that it's it's dangerous to handle, and yeah, I, I wouldn't necessarily say you're going to lick it or do anything like that. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I just use it. I just use it for when I do work, and uh, it's very, very strong. Maybe you might want to try. It's pretty hard to get sometimes. But uh, yeah, it's yttrium fluorite, and I've talked about it on the show before. But that's my favorite. That seems to have, that seems to open me up for some reason. Uh, See, I, that I don't line know what it connection. is. Yeah, yeah, that could just be what works for you. Yeah. So yeah. someone said and in the I, comment. I, I, honestly, I haven't heard of anybody else using it uh, the way I do, but uh, it does. It does seem to open me up. And uh, Have you written a blog on it at all? I have tried, I you, you know, to, I have actually talked about doing a, a couple of shows on it, which I may very well do at some point. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it's hard to get people to come on and, and talk seriously about it. Um, oh, I see. A lot of times they just want to get into the actual collecting aspects of it, yeah. not necessarily the use of it for, for cases and, you know, for whatever work they do with it. Uh, but uh, no, I, I I will try. I'll, I'm thinking about doing that sometime. And yeah, maybe that might be interesting because yeah. people can learn a lot from it. I think uh, Mortal Clown uh, says crystals are legit powerful when folks pay attention to their language, and that's key because you have yeah, its knows. energy, you know. And it's yeah. like when you can get in tune with their with its energy, and it gets in tune with yours. I mean, you know, that sky's the limit, really. That, Absolutely. So. Yeah, I kind of fell into it. You know, I didn't really believe it at first. But mm -hmm. as time went on, I started working more and more with them and finding the ones that worked with me. I, I, I started using more and more. And, you know, you said something about walking to a store and walk to a gem shop or walking. Yeah, to a shop. <laughs> right. Oh, I you know, I, I, I tell people, don't go in there and be timid. Handle everything that draws you. Exactly. To energy. Totally. Yeah. I mean, if, if you if you pick that one stone that just makes you feel great, that's the one. Get that that's one. That's the one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's the one. And, and I've had one. situations where I'll be at maybe one of the drawers. Let, let's just say it's amethyst or whatever. And I'm sitting right. there holding one. But then I'm looking at this other one. And that other one is really drawing me. That's it. That's the one. That's what happens to me. It's so it's so fascinating. <laughs> it's in, my God, this hour flew by. Uh, my, I know. What is up with doing radio well, podcasts? It goes by super fast. I, I knew it was going to happen because you and I haven't yeah, talked I in a while. I know. And, um, you know, I, I um, it's so good to see. I, I have yes. I got to get you, I got to get you out here one time. We go to Gettysburg together. Oh my uh, gosh! We well, I, you know, I live right by the battlefield now. Um, see, that's right. You're in, uh, is it McSherry's town? McSherry's town. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I'm just, you are I'm close. like 10 miles down the road from the battlefield. And, oh, nice. You know, the anniversary, the 160th anniversary was this past weekend. And, uh, I, you know, I don't normally go out there when there's crowds, when I know there's going to be crowds, but I was asked to do a few things and I decided, well, you know, I'm not doing anything else. So I'll go on out there and, uh, yeah. You know, that's, that's another amazing. thing. 
you know, when I used to do tours out there, and this is what I used to, I used to get upset by this, but people would ask me, well, where am I going to see the ghost at? Can you oh take, take me where the ghosts are? Oh, my God. Oh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yes. It just doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. No. doesn't work so, like that. I'm actually so Nicole, supposed to be go going, uh, sorry, uh, next year, oh. 2024, with Dale Cat's American Ghost Research Society, probably in the summer. So I can. Wait, let, if you do come, I'm going to let you know. Yeah, because that would you be. You let great. me know. Yeah, that would be amazing. Yeah. Because um, yeah, I'll I, show I you some believe, of the uh, the good spots. I can't even believe I haven't. I mean, I haven't been there. Like, hello, what's wrong with me? Yeah, like, I know I'm, you've been to the east, but I, I, you know, I know you've been to New York <laughs> and a couple of places, but yeah. yeah. So that'll be so awesome the, to get out there. Well, yeah, but definitely let me know. Because I, I think you and I have a good time out there. Oh, sure thing. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so uh, why don't you tell folks how they can contact you and uh, any other information you want to uh, let them know about? Sure. So my main website is authornicolestrickland.com, just all lowercase, authornicolestrickland.com, and then sandiegoparanormalresearch.com. I have a little blog website devoted to the Queen Mary. I need to update it, though, but that's uh, spiritedqueenmary.com, all one word. Facebook, at Nicole D. Strickland. Uh, uh, let's see, Instagram, at author Nicole Strickland. I'm on Twitter. I don't use it as much, but that handle is just my team's acronym, so SDPRS Nicole. And then let's see, just, uh, oh, uh, Haunted Voices Radio. We need to get you back on if you're interested, Lon. Oh, absolutely. Because it's been a while. My ear, my ear thing's falling out. So we have, so Todd Bates and I co-host Tana Voices Radio, and that was on Friday nights at 8 p.m. Pacific, um, 11 Eastern, but we moved it to Thursdays at this time. So 6 p.m. Pacific and then 8 Central and 9 Eastern. So, uh, and then my show, The Afterlife Chronicles, it is on hiatus. So I'm looking to get it back up and running probably August, September, love to have mm -hmm. you back on lawn. Um, and that's it right now. I just, I have a lot of presentations planned coming up and stuff and working on a new book. Oh, uh, that's right. So uh, the new book that Marie D. Jones, Denise Agnew and I are working on, it's called Women on the Fringe and that's groundbreaking women in the paranormal. If any of you in chat or even you lawn know of someone that you can recommend, I think we're still looking for a few more specifically okay. in uh, ufology uh let's see radio show hosts tour guides but pretty much anyone so okay that's about it heading to the queen mary this weekend so i'll be posting a lot about that and that's about it this was awesome to come back on your show i know i haven't talked to i know you I, miss, I miss talking to you we I um, know. I we know. need to keep in contact more more than i know before. we really so. do it's just time is so weird now it's I know. just it's crazy how I fast blame it, it on is. the pandemic because that seemed to screw up everybody. I oh, mean, it yeah. did. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's insane. Like what? Yeah. yeah. So. Well, Nicole, thanks again for coming on. And Thank you. Uh, I, I appreciate you uh, sending me the book. And um, like I said, if you know, sure, I will definitely do your show if you want me to. So uh, just let me know and uh, we'll, we'll figure out what to do. Yep, I'll talk to Todd. We'll uh, get a date for you for that. And when I get my show back up and running, I'll let you know as well. Thank you so much, Lon. Okay. It was great seeing everyone in chat as well. So you guys have a great night and we'll talk soon. You take care. All right. So uh, thanks to each and all of you for watching and chatting. If you did make a donation and I see Mortal Clown, this, I appreciate that. It's truly appreciated. Uh, your support is what makes all this possible, so please like, subscribe, and share. If you do have a sighting or encounter report that you'd like to be considered for the blog or even the, per the personal report show, please send to my email at lawnstrickerfamsandmonsters.com. So Friday night, I'm going to be doing a, um, a personal reports about skinwalkers, and I will be talking about some of the lore, but I will be talking about actual reports I have received over the years and cases I've been involved with. So I hope you find that interesting. So that'll be Friday at nine o'clock PM Eastern six, I mean, six Pacific time. So until we meet again, stay healthy and have a safe night.
Good night.